So before I say someone else, I've got to save myself. I gave you all my energy and I took away your pain. Cause human beings are destined to radiate. Welcome back to the psychiatry show. You get the message, right? We are talking about an empathic approach to our fellow humans. Um, and you heard from our first uh, segment that people are concerned about family members and so forth, which way to turn, the anxiety that's associated with it. I want to welcome in this segment, uh, Paulina Milana, a former journalist turned marketing PR and media professional. She's the author of several books and her latest is entitled Committed, a memoir of madness in the family. Paulina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm honored. This is, well, we're honored to have you, and we are particularly interested in the valuable experience that you've had that will lead us to further explore the issues about stigma that's associated with mental disorder and reaching out and how to deal with the anxieties that we can all recognize, but maybe a little bit more heightened in those kinds of situations. Your new book, Committed, is the sequel to your book, The S Word. Why is it important to confront your or our past? The S, by the way, is for schizophrenia. Yes. Um, so the first book, The S Word, that yes. um, told the story of me being raised by a mom who went for several years undiagnosed um, as a paranoid schizophrenia, a schizophrenic, excuse me. Mm -hmm. She, um, she, it was pretty frightening um, for a child to grow up with that um, and to have the medical professionals not really know what was going on. My mother had um, a couple of uh, exploratory brain surgeries because at that time, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't oh really kind of. The, yeah, they were looking. No, they were looking. Um, they were looking for the devil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, and they wanted to like cut it out. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, oh my God. On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, we um, we were Sicilian, or we are Sicilian, and we had kind of an unwritten code of silence. What happened in the family stayed in the family, so it wasn't. You know, not only did society not embrace. Um, people kind of coming out of the closet and saying that they had mental illness in the family, but our own culture didn't really uh, allow that or encourage that. That's the first book. The second book, Committed, is when uh, my I, I get to the point where life at home is is too much for me. And I I go away for a year to college and I, I want to pretend that I'm normal. I want to pretend that nothing's going on at home and letters continue to come to my university telling me all of the madness that's still going on at home. So no matter how much I try to escape it, I can't. Then I go back home. My father unexpectedly dies. That leaves me as the primary caregiver to my mother who is still raging with her schizophrenia. And two years after my dad dies, my little sister uh, has a, 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 a major psychotic break 
and she too is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So then Lord. I am left. <laughs> I am left. I like to say that, um, you know, insanity took root in my family tree and I yeah. was tasked with tending its garden. And in uh -huh. doing that, I nearly lost myself. So that's well, I, I can imagine. I can imagine the stress was enormous. Let, let me just mention for the audience just a brief overview of what schizophrenia involves. It's a dysfunction of the brain. It leads to the following kinds of things: hallucinations and delusions. That is, seeing things that aren't there, uh, that aren't there that other people don't see. Delusions. That is, fixed beliefs, which is where the paranoia can come in. Disorganized speech, uh, grossly disorganized or catatonic, that is frozen behavior, negative symptoms. It lasts for a long time. It can have some um, emotional uh, affective overlay to it, that is depression, or even a manic kind of possible possibility to it. Um, so you came to be a caretaker for your mom and your sister at that point. Uh, I can't... Yeah. I, I can't imagine what the stress must have been like for you. How did you handle it? <laughs> Not very well, um, Michael. I, <laughs> I, I just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a caregiver. I'm a strong person from the outside. You know, I was at that time. I was working for a daily newspaper, um, writing stories. No one knew from the outside what was going on, and I wanted to keep it that way. So I kept all of those secrets. But in doing that, I was suffocating. I was eating myself to death. Um, I had ballooned to almost 300 pounds. I, you know, I, I was very successful professionally, but personally I was falling apart and I had decided at one point that my only out was to take myself out along with my mother and my sister. I had decided just to do us all in uh, do the world a favor, quote unquote. And by the grace of God, I, on the very night that I was going to do it, someone took me because they noticed that I wasn't myself. And they took me to a, the woman who saved my life, the woman who uh, was my therapist um, for over 10 years. She's a licensed clinical professional counselor. And she said to me, you know, Margie, that was the woman who took me there. Margie says that you're struggling, that you're kind of dealing with some things. Uh, tell me about it. And my response to her was, it's nothing. Nothing's going on. And she was, she was smart enough to say, okay, tell me about nothing. <laughs> and that, that opened the world for me. And I, I just spilled everything to her in like 10 seconds. I remember seeing her jaw kind of drop and that beautiful, beautiful woman saw me for months for free because mm -hmm. she saw something in me. And, you know, and the, mm -hmm, go ahead. You know, Paulina, uh, my jaw didn't drop. I'm just getting chills from hearing the story and what you've been through. Uh, <laughs> It's just remarkable. Uh, you are listening to uh, Paulina Milana. Uh, she is the author of several books, her latest being Committed, a memoir of madness in the family. 
She's a former journalist and uh, a media profession, current media professional. Our number is one 3627 That's 1-877-NYU-DOCS. If this is ringing a bell for any of you, um, Give us a call if you have a question you want to talk with uh, Paulina. And I also want to mention the Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. We are talking about, well, the struggles and the stresses of dealing with this in the family, but we're talking about the how one handles this. Uh, Paulina, you were a first-generation American. Uh, your parents exactly. came over from Sicily. That must have been an additional, um, <laughs> let's say, burden. On the cake. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know what? I, I will say this. Um, you know, being first generation uh, from a family of immigrants, English not being our first language, not being my first language, I became. Yeah, you're talking pretty good now, Paulina. <laughs> I did learn, huh? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I, I believe, though, that that, that like, okay, so I, I want to be clear here because, yes, it was super chaotic. Yes, it was complete, let's just call it cray-cray growing up. But by the same token, there were really great, moments. I mean, being Sicilian, you know, is about food and, and love and laughter. You know, my father at any time could have just left and he didn't. He stayed despite, you know, my mom used to keep knives and baseball bats under the bed and threatened screaming all night long that she was going to kill my father. She was going to blow us up. And then the next morning, despite not having slept, we all had to go to school. But I think that my Sicilian culture really kind of just was infused with love. And, and, and it's, it's a challenging thing to talk about because you can both hate a person who has a mental illness and, and love them at the same time. That is a challenge. And yet the emotions, Yeah. Paulina, uh, I, I digress for a moment. My wife and I spent some time in Sicily and it ruined our taste for Italian food anywhere else because it was so <laughs> wonderful. It's so wonderful there. Uh, we were biking and, and hiking in, in Sicily and it's just wonderful. But uh, I want to go, uh, go back to uh, what you were saying. What would you say to listeners who are hiding their story or aren't being as open as they could be about their struggles. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually quote uh, or or actually share one of my favorite quotes. It's um, from D. H. Lawrence. He's the author of Lady Chatterley's Lover, and mm-hmm. he said, "This is the very worst wickedness that we refuse to acknowledge the passionate evil that is in us. This makes us secret and rotten." And so I quote that because. The problem is hiding it. The problem is staying silent, being shamed. That is the challenge versus, because because inherently by keeping it all silent and not telling your story, not, not reaching out for help, that in and of itself is, is making you believe that something is wrong. Something is not normal. And while granted, in a way, it's not. But, but 
to actually share it would make it something that's much more mainstream because there are more people who are suffering from a mental illness than than not. It's just that we, we there's that stigma to share it. The more that yeah. we would share it, the more that I think people would feel comfortable and they would get the help that they need. There's one other effect of not sharing it too. It makes you blind because you do if you're constantly denying something, you don't recognize what's going on around you and you become in effect paralyzed. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. You it's it is it is the silence that suffocates. I firmly believe that because the minute that I started to write down my story and, and know this, you know, for anyone listening who who is dealing with something like this, who has a story, we all have stories. I, I want you to know that my first book, The S Word, took me 10 years to write. And the reason it took me that long is because I was afraid. And in the very beginning, it started out as a book about, you know, pointing fingers at every adult who did me wrong, you know, sharing how, you know, I wish I could have had this, I wish I could have had that. By the end of the 10 years, it became a book um, about forgiveness and redemption. And I saw the world in an entirely different way. I'll also say that that book, once it was done, before I got a publisher, I put it in a drawer. That's how afraid I was. And the only reason that I took it out and I actually got it published was because I encountered a clerk, a, um, a grocery store clerk who I knew. She was maybe 16. And I, I went to do my groceries. Something happened in the store. She was completely shocked. And she said to me, I said to her, gosh, what, what did you do? And her response to me was, Paulina, nobody tells you what to do. Nobody shares these kinds of stories. Right at that moment, I realized I wasn't just writing this story to heal myself. I was putting this book out because other people needed it. And that's what I want everyone to really hear. Your story matters. It matters not just for you, but for others. Okay. We have a call from Cindy who's reaching out from Texas. Cindy, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I have a a younger sister who's uh, 47 who is a paranoid, schizophrenic, OCD, compulsive, order, bipolar. Sometimes I called her uh, kind of like a bizarre psychosis. So um, her, she's a half-sister, so her grandfather, her paternal grandfather, um, turns out I had schizophrenia. So where I live, um, um, they have a great, some of the police department's super nice, um, Texas State Handle Mental Health. It's really great that they kind of help oversee her for like 25 years. I moved here uh, a little over three years ago to kind of be like a project manager. She lives in bad housing and all of that. So, um, but, so we're really great that we have some good people to help. But the, the thing that I get conflicting information on all the time is how to handle things with her whenever she has the um, delusions. You know, I mean, she's worth a trillion dollars. She's invented um, you know, Facebook, she owns Facebook, she invented the internet. I mean, all these amazing feats, all these films uh-huh. and movies that she's Very grandiose, by. very grandiose kinds of... Uh, very grandiose. Uh-huh. And then, 
Also, yeah. her food is always painted, you know, has uh, A&D ointment, baby oil, one thing or another. So her food, I can only buy her food for a couple of days because she'll throw everything out. Yeah. Right? So, so, so the, but how do you address that? That's the yeah. that's the question, Paulina. What, what do you think? <laughs> you know, Cindy, um, I think I think we've been living parallel lives because um, my younger sister, uh, she too had these kind of um, delusions of grandeur. I went to see her; she was um, committed at one point, and I went through the you know security and saw her, and um, she handed me a book, and she said, "Here, I wrote this." And when I looked down at the book, it was the Holy Bible. And my response to her, <laughs> my response to her was catchy title. And the reason <laughs> I tell you that's, that is that's... because, yeah. So, okay, A, a sense of humor. And yeah. you know what? It really, really helps um, yes. the caregiver to deal with it. You've got to actually take care of yourself because. I'm glad you're mentioning that. that. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And because the more that you don't, the more you're not in a position to help her or to objectively kind of respond. I would say that when it comes to you having good people around you, that is awesome. Rely on that. Ask you, ask for help in being the caregiver. And when your sister responds in these ways or, or, or makes comments like this, you do have You've got three choices. You can not respond at all, ignore and go about your own way, right? You can respond by telling them you're wrong and it's not this and you got you've got this problem, etc. That is a decision that you have to make. My brother um, tried that once and it turned doesn't out work. quite devastating. It doesn't right? work, right? Um, doesn't exactly. work, right? Or you respond in a way that lets them know you heard them and then you move on, right? So my little comment of catchy title was, hey, I heard you. Now we're going to move on to something else. So those are kind of um, kind of my thoughts on, on yeah. what you might want to try. Um, okay. So does that help? Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer that because we're running short out of time. Sure. Not only did it help, but, you know, because it's very useful, but it's also very moving. And I want to thank you so much for sharing this with me. Uh, we have one call waiting, and I want to get to her, Erica in Ohio, just quickly before we have to take a break. Erica, you're on the air. we got about a Hello, minute. Hello, how are you? Okay, we got hey, about a minute. Hi, I um, was just wondering about the, the stigma attached to postpartum and the training that, that the psychiatrists have to go through with that because when I went for my two-week follow-up and I said, I am I am not right, the doctor said, oh, it's just baby blues. Well, it turned out it wasn't. I ended up in Center State Mental Health Ward. It was a huge process, but I, I didn't know the training that my, my doctor wasn't able to spot you know, the, the situation. Okay. Uh, you know, um, we're going to have to, you uh, going to have to leave it at that because um, the uh, issue that you mentioned is 
that they haven't been trained well, if that's the response under those circumstances, just to throw it out dismissively when you're coming to somebody for help and clarification. That's the mistake. Uh, I have to cut you off with regard to that because we're going to have to lose uh, Paulina in a, a few moments. Paulina, quickly, in a minute, how, how's your relationship today with your mother or your sister? Uh, so, um, my mother and my sister both, um, died. My mother from old oh. age and my sister died. Um, it was a, a freak kind of thing when she was in, uh, a, an institution. But, um, but my relationship right now with myself is phenomenal. My relationship with my husband, I never thought I'd get married. And yet here I am married to an incredible guy. My relationship, I think, overall, has uh, with myself, has allowed me to help others. I'm a court-appointed special advocate for kids in the foster care system. Oh, wonderful. And I'm connected wonderful. with kids who deal with this kind of stuff, too. So, again, take care of yourself first. Put your own oxygen mask on first because it allows you to help others. The, uh, Paulina, we're going to have to leave it at that. But we're not going to leave it at that because I want to have you back to hear more of your story. You're phenomenal, and you come from a great place as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've been listening to Paulina Milana. She is the author of Committed, a Memoir of Madness in the Family. Paulina, thank you so much for joining me. Um, we'll have you back in the near future, okay? I would love to. Thank you so much, and thank you to all your listeners. Okay, great. Okay, we'll be right back. 